summer, we have been looking at the fruits of the Spirit. We've been going off of the passage here in Galatians chapter 5. And if you missed the first intro sermon, if you go back on our YouTube page or in our podcasts or Facebook, I mean, there's a million different ways you can see one of our past sermons or hear it. We read through this whole passage here in Galatians um, in context. But I'm going to just highlight the verses where we get the list of the fruits of the Spirit. In verse 22, it says, But the fruits of the Spirit is love, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So basically, we've got the Jewish people trying to tell the Gentile people, right, that you've got to follow the law and you've got to live by the law. And you've got Paul writing a letter to the Galatians explaining to them that we don't live under the law, but now that we have Jesus in our hearts, the Holy Spirit fills us and we live by the Spirit. And how do you know if you're living by the Spirit? Well, these things, these fruits will come out of you. Just like you say, well, what kind of fruit tree is this? You look at the fruit hanging on it. Oh, it's a lemon tree, right? Or it's an orange tree. Did you know avocados are fruits? They've got a big seed in them. And avocados grow on trees. And I just read this on Facebook. Who knows if it's true or not, but I know that's how we sometimes are. We see things like that. And it said this guy was coming into work every day complaining and saying, somebody is throwing avocados in my yard. And everyone thought that was really odd. Well, two weeks later, he comes in. He goes, oh, my gosh, I have an avocado tree in my yard. I didn't even look up. I didn't realize that the avocados were falling from the tree in my front yard. And I thought, how funny is that? Sometimes we have fruit all around us. We're like, where did this come from, right? Maybe it's anger, right? Maybe it is, you know, all these different negative things. We're like, where is this coming from? And sometimes it's coming from inside of us, right? We, we know that as Christians, we ask Jesus to fill us, and we have the Holy Spirit with us. We can ask the Holy Spirit to help us, but a lot of times we don't engage with that. We don't say, okay, I want to start producing some of this fruit. So over the last few weeks here, we took a look at some of the different fruits. We looked at goodness, and we didn't look at our English everyday translation of what the word goodness means. And we didn't look at some of the things where it says, well, maybe good means godly. And how can we ever be good or godly? No, we looked at the actual Greek of what was written here in Galatians chapter 5. And the Greek of goodness said showing generosity to others. So we talked about if we want to live by the Spirit and we want to have goodness coming out of our lives, we have to choose to show generosity to others. So there might be times where we don't feel like it, right? But we're generous to other people around us. And then we had to look at what about if it's our enemy, right? And Jesus said to bless our enemy, to pray for those who persecute us. So sometimes our enemies have to have boundaries around them and we just pray for them, but we can pray blessings on them, right? And we can be good to even those that we don't feel like maybe deserve it, but that's goodness. That's that generosity coming out of us. Then we looked at kindness. And the Greek word for that was doing thoughtful things for others. So again, this fruit, this word that we're told will come up out of us if we're living by the Spirit is an action word. It's doing thoughtful things for others. Now that means we don't just do what we want to do, 
we are thoughtful in what we want to do for others. Todd and I, at one point, we've been married 16 years this July. And so at one point, you know, we're always constantly listening while I am. And I kind of, you know, make him sit in on it sometimes. I'm looking at, you know, um, marriage books, you know, and I look at different things. Because I talk with a lot of people in the counseling office here at church. You know, my background is a bachelor's degree in pastoral counseling. Um, so, but I'm constantly looking at different materials and what's out there, and, and there's all kinds of programs and philosophies with marriage, right? There's the five love languages. There's all kinds of things. Well, one of the suggestions from the book I had read one time had said, you know, you have your date night, and you, know, you should have hobbies that you do together, right? Because obviously there's things that he does that I'm not interested in, and there's things that I do that he's not interested in, but it said, try to find one thing that you do together, so I'm making him listen to this, and, and we're talking about some of the things. And I throw out just a ridiculous idea, figuring he would say, no way. And I said, well, what if once a month we go to the mall, we go clothes shopping, right? Now, that was a joke, because if you know my husband, you would know that he hates going to the mall, and he doesn't like going clothes shopping. And I also suggested we could go to the shooting range. We could do, you know, we could do all these different things. Well, he heard that, and he was trying to be thoughtful, and he said, well, out of everything you just listed, you would probably like going to the mall shopping the most, so let's do that. And I was like, what? Really? Like, and I can talk about this because he's not here tonight. He had to take the kids to camp, so I can tell you what really happened. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, I, I really do need to get some decent clothes once in a while, and I hate going shopping. So if we know that once a month we're going to go, it'd, it'd be a good thing. So we did this one time, folks, one time, and we never did it again. So I have in my mind this expectation of, okay, we're going there. I'm going to pick a store, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to pick out an outfit for him and make him try it on, right? And then if he likes it, then maybe he'll have thought of something, and then I'm going to let him pick out an outfit, and then I'll try it on. So we go in the first store, and I say, look around at all the little model, whatever, the mannequins, and look around and, and find an outfit that you think would look really good on me, and I'll go try it on. And he picked out something I would not have picked out, and I tried it on. He loved it on me, so I thought, okay, cool, I'll get this. So we go into the guy's shop, and I look around at all the mannequins, and I say, oh, go try this on. And he's like, uh-uh, I'm not wearing that. And I'm like, I just tried on what you had. He's like, I don't want to do that. And then we ended up arguing, and we went home mad, and he ended up getting his khakis and his, you know, his collared pullover shirt that he always wears. And we never went again. Now... What happened? He was trying to be thoughtful, but that didn't work out. So we ended up, I ended up going down to the local gun shop, and I took some lessons and learned how to shoot. And then for our, our once a month, we would go down and we would shoot. So I thought, well, I'll be thoughtful and try. He's making an effort here, right? He's listening to these, you know, marriage books on tape whenever we're going on a long for me, so I can at least find something that we do once a month for him. But that was kindness. We don't realize that because we often think that being kind means I'm being nice. But kindness is different than being nice. Kindness means you're being thoughtful behind it. And so you're doing thoughtful things for others, okay? So tonight, we're going to talk about joy. Now, why did I take a minute to remind you that being kind is an action word? right? And being 
good, goodness is an action word. It's being generous to others. Or kindness is doing thoughtful things for others. Because joy is not a feeling, folks. Joy is an action word. Joy is a choice. Let's look at the Greek here. Joy is an inner happiness not dependent on our outward circumstance. And it's in the same list as kindness and goodness. Now, to be good means I have to do something for others. To be kind means I have to be thinking to do what I'm going to do for others. Being joyful means I have to make a choice and think about how I'm going to feel despite my outward circumstances. See, happiness is a feeling in the moment, depending on what's going on on the outside, right? You can have a moment of happiness at a funeral. I've seen it. I've, I've done funeral services, right? And everybody is sad, and there's sorrow, and there's grief in their heart. And I get up there, and I tell some funny joke about what I heard that person did when they were five. You know, a story that's been repeated around the dinner table. And they all laugh for a moment as they smile and think about that person. But that was just a happy moment in their heart. They're sorrowful. They're grieving still. And it's the same thing with happiness, right? You can have something really good happening and something bad happens in the moment. And you're like, I just stepped in doggy doo-doo and I'm at a wedding reception. You go wipe it off real quick and then you go back and you got joy again, right? Right? You weren't happy you stepped in the doggy duty. But you made a choice not to let it ruin your night, and you wipe it off, and you keep on going. See, joy is not dependent on what's going on on the outside. It's a choice in how you're going to live your life despite what's happening on the outside. So think about this, all right? How many of you have ever worked? You worked in a place, right? You had coworkers. Anybody have coworkers? Am I the only one? But have you ever worked somewhere where you had somebody that you really liked? I mean, you know, maybe you didn't care for your job, but this person, they were funny, or they were like, they'd always bail you out, or, or you know, like, like this was a really good person, and you almost would like to call them your friend. Sometimes we stay friends with them even after we move on with our jobs, right? Am I the only one that's ever had a friend at work? I've had a friend at work, okay. So think about this. Think about how you feel when they come in to work, and they say, I'm putting in my two weeks notice. I just got this other job, and I'm going to make twice as much money, and I don't have to work as much. Now, am I the only one that you want to be happy for them, but inside you're like, oh, that sucks. Right? I mean, seriously, you're like, oh, no, they're leaving. No, I'm stuck with Gertrude, and I don't have Sally to, like, you know, deflect for me. Right? But what do you do in that moment? In that moment, you make a choice, and you say, yay, I'm so happy for you. And you even buy them the cake, right? The little, oh, you were so amazing cake. See, what did you do? You chose in that moment not to focus, even though you knew it was there, even though it was in the back of your head on the negative of this, and you instead you chose to be happy for your friend. That's what joy has to be for us. It has to be a choice that we make. 
we have to focus our thoughts on what is the positive in our life, despite what is going on in the outside. See, Jesus, we did this back in the intro there with one of the scriptures that said, you will know them by their fruit. How will you know if someone's a Christian? You will know them by their fruit. They'll be in the midst of a storm, and yet they'll have joy coming out of them. I remember when Matthew was born. Many of you have heard the story. Matthew was one pound, eight ounces when he was born. And he was born up in Traverse City, and there's different levels with the NICUs, the NICUs for the little guys. And they kept telling me that he was going to have to go down to Grand Rapids. And I kept, all right, I'm ready. Is he leaving today? Is he leaving tomorrow? When is he leaving? And they finally said, well, he'll leave when he doesn't pass one of the tests. Because every day they're checking his brain, they're checking his heart, they're checking his lungs. And he's going to fail at something, and we won't be able to handle it, and we're going to have to send him down there. Now, as a Christian person who was praying and had faith, and I had peace from the Holy Spirit in me, I said, he'll be fine. Is that what you're waiting for? And I went home that night and I unpacked my bag and I left it. I never brought it back to the hospital with me. And I remember after seven weeks, him coming home at three pounds, 11 ounces, the pediatrician, one of the the doctors there that called to say that we could take him home at three pounds, 11 ounces said, the nurses can't say anything but positive things about you as parent to come in day after day. You've never cried. You've never been upset. And you've had joy the whole time. Now, this was a testament, not to Mary, but a testament to the power of our God, to Christianity. That I could be in the one of the most stressful moments. There'd be people around me crying. They'd be all upset, you know. Well, I remember one lady, she came in and her baby was like a week or two premature. And it was, her baby was maybe five pounds or something and had to stay for a few days and she's over there crying and upset. And I went over at one point and I said, I can I introduce myself to you? And she said, yeah. And I said, my name is Mary and my son's over here. He's like two pounds, 10 ounces right now. He came really early. I said, but yeah, I've been praying for him and look how good he's doing. Can I pray for your baby? Everything's going to be okay. And I had to help her shift her focus off of my baby's early to We've got a God that can help us in the midst of the storm. This doesn't take away from the fact that there wasn't a crisis and there wasn't something dangerous happening in that moment and that lots of babies that are born don't make it. But my focus was not going to be on the what if, the what if, the what if. My focus was going to be on the power of our God. He is great. Didn't we just sing that? How great is our God? So how can we have joy in the midst of a storm when maybe I'm not happy about what's happening? It's because I know that our God is great and our God is good. And I'm going to choose in that moment to put my focus and my trust in his ability and not in mine. Because most of the time I don't have any ability. Right? I don't have any way to fix it. But God does. So the Greek here right? For the joy word that definition is an inner happiness, not dependent on our outward circumstances. So how do we get that inner happiness inside of us? Because it can't come from our outward circumstances. I can't say, well, I'm happy right now because I have cute shoes. Because guess what? Tonight I might go home and my puppy might chew them up. And am I going to not be happy anymore because I don't have cute shoes? 
Or am I happy because the joy of the Lord is my strength? Let's look here. That's one. We can, we can, we can have this. this. We learned that one in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. And it starts here in verse 7. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what's happening here. So Nehemiah was this great man in the court of this pagan king. And he was really sad because Jerusalem had been devastated and everything had been torn down and all the Jewish people had been scattered. And so one day he gets this report of what Jerusalem was like and he goes before this pagan king and the pagan king says, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? And he says, my hometown is still in ruins. They had tried to go and build it back up, but it's, it's not built back up yet. It makes me really sad. And he said, okay, go back. Go back. I'm going to release you from my service. Go back. So he goes back, and he is able to, the previous kings where he worked there, they were the ones that had devastated Jerusalem. So he was able to go and get all the holy books and get all of the, the gold plates and platters and trays and everything they had there and go and restore everything. So they go back, they're restoring everything, and the, the, all the Jewish people that had gathered back had never heard the word of God read out loud to them. So one of the things Nehemiah does is he gathers them all together. He gets all the leaders from the different, different ones there, and he has them read out loud everything they should have been doing for like the last 50 years that they haven't been doing. Okay, so that's where we're at, okay? So in verse 7, the Levites, Jerusa, Banna, Shabbat, Jamin, Echaba. I can't even read half of these, so hopefully you know I'm just kind of making them up as I go. Jerusa. Josaban, Hanan, and Baliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people understood what was being read. I like that. They didn't just read it, but they explained it. Isn't that good? I think that's good. I need that sometimes. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, All. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been re- weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So why are they crying? Because they realize they haven't been following the instructions. They didn't know. And so now they feel shame. They're standing in the presence of God, and they feel shame. But Nehemiah says to them, don't weep about this. This is a holy day. This is a good day. We're going to get back to what was meant for us. In verse 10, he says, Nehemiah says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying to them, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Now, I love this. Most of the time we don't read this in context. We just say, Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is to be our strength. And we're half happy when we come to church. So we're like, yay, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But when we read it in context, we realize 
These people were grieving. They were ashamed of themselves. They realized they were the deepest, darkest sinners that haven't been doing anything right. And they had no idea what God wanted them to do. And now they just had it made plain. And they should be sitting there with ash on their head, feeling like a dirty dog that they were. And instead, Nehemiah says to them, do not grieve, but be joyful. You know what that means? That means it's, you have the ability to be joyful even when you found out that you're, you suck. You know, you're like, oh man, I suck. I haven't been doing it right. And I can still choose to be joyful. My, my neighbor, he sucks too. He hasn't been doing it right. But I can go have a party. I can be joyful even when everybody around me has been doing things the wrong way. Because being joyful is a choice. It's not dependent on the outward stuff. On the outside, they were not being good Jews. On the outside, their culture had been destroyed. Everything had been taken away. They didn't know their, their heritage. They didn't know any of it. But on the inside, God still loved them. And God was saying, this is a holy day. Because you're standing before me in my presence and you want to know what I want for you. And it says, I love this in verse 10. He says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. They had to be calmed down. Since the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. It doesn't go on to say, and the people just continue to cry all day. No, it says, then all the people went away to eat and to drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So today the, the word has been made known to you. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you believe in Jesus, and just like Jesus told us in the book of John, you can go back and read that. He says, ask, right, the Holy Spirit to fill you so you can be full of these fruits. You can choose to be happy despite your outside experiences. You can choose to focus on something different. One of my favorite passages, and we'll get there when we go on the word the word peace, one of the fruits of which is peace. In Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9, if you want to read through that whole passage, I like, the, I like chat verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But it says, to be at peace despite all circumstances. And it says, and how do we do that? It says, focus on what is good, what is noble, what is right. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will be on you. What is he saying? When you want to be at peace or you want to be at joy or you want to be kind, you got to ch- shift your focus. Because if I want to be kind to somebody and be thoughtful or if I want to be good to somebody and be generous or if I want to be joyful, if my eyes are only focused on the problem or what a horrible person they are and how they don't deserve it, I can't be good to them. I can't be kind to them. I can't walk in joy and be happy because my eyes are focused on the problem. See, their eyes were focused on the problem, and it was them that was the problem. And Nehemiah says, that is not our focus today. 
Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. So we have to say, God is good. God is great. I'm going to be happy about that because I'm not good and I'm not great, but God is. So I can be happy that a good and great God loves me and calls me his chosen one and calls me his child and says, I want to heal you and I want to bless you and I want good things for you. That is how we walk in joy. doesn't matter if, if all around me my job is going to crap or my marriage or my kids or my house or whatever, right? That all might be happening on the outside, but inside, God loves me. God wants good things for me, and he knows where I'm going to be three months from now. He knows what my future relationships looks like. He knows what, how he's going to provide. He knows. What about in Romans chapter 15, verse 13 here? What does it say? It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, some of you all are sitting back saying, Mary, this is all good and nice, but you don't know I got real problems, right? Or you don't know what I've done and how, I, how am I going to shift my focus on that? But maybe you can't. There's a lot of things I can't do, so I'm assuming there's a lot of things you all can't do. So you need to ask God to help you. You need to say, God, fill me up with overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. May you, God, the God of hope, Fill all of us with joy and peace as we trust in you so that, you, that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen. See, this was a prayer that he was saying to them. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May he fill us with all joy and peace. As we trust in him so that we will overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we have to ask him for his help. We see this here in John 16. John 16, verse 23 and 24. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. He's talking to the disciples. He's about to go to the cross. He says, very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you Ask in my name. See, now we can go, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus. See, back when the disciples were walking the earth with Jesus, they could just ask him. They'd be like, hello. And he would just, you know, he'd make the fish multiply. He'd make the storm stop. He'd touch somebody and they'd be healed. And he's saying, look, I'm only here for a short time. But there's going to be a lot of y'all. And I'm not going to be here in person. So now you can just ask the Father in the name of Jesus. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked me for anything in my name. But ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Why is praying and asking God for things making my joy fill up and making the joy come out of me? Because out here, maybe my house just burnt down. But in here, the Holy Spirit is saying, I got you, girl. Yeah, that sucks. But I own a cattle on a thousand hills, and I know right where your next house is going to be. And so all I have to do is step back and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me. 
And I can trust in him and be confident that he heard me and that he is going to help me. Now, we haven't gotten to the patience part yet. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, some of y'all are like, how can I be joyful when the house is still in smolders, right? That's where patience comes in. And we can learn how to be patient. But right now, I'm telling you that you can walk in joy despite what is going on around you. And it's a choice. It's an action word. So don't tell me I don't feel like I'm happy, Mary. Well, yep, you don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing the dishes at home either, but I do what is right because otherwise they pile up and they get stinky. I don't feel like getting up in the morning and letting the dog out, but I don't want to deal with the doggy duty in the middle of the living room if I sleep in. I don't feel like doing the laundry, but I don't like wearing stinky clothes. I don't feel like doing a lot of things, but I do it because it's right. You might not feel like walking in joy. You might want to feel like you're going to walk into the victim spot or the anger spot or the sadness spot because that's what you feel like doing. And I'm telling you to take your feelings and put them in the corner. They need a time out. And it's time that we rise up and we make choices that are good and that are holy and that are right because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And if we need help, we ask him to help us. I always, this is how I explain feelings, okay? Have you ever gotten a puppy? Anybody ever here ever have had a puppy? Well, a puppy is kind of like your feelings. If you just let your feelings do whatever, they're going to pee in the middle of the living room. They're going to jump up on your table and eat your steak dinner. But do you let your puppy do that? No. You, if that puppy tries to get up on the table, you're going to yell, you're going to holler, you're going to get that puppy down. You're not going to let that puppy eat your steak dinner. You're not going to let the puppy just go potty wherever. You're going to grab that puppy and put him outside and say, you go potty outside. Right? Well, your feelings are like an untrained puppy. And they want to go and make a big mess in the middle of the living room when it's not the right time. And you need to say, feelings... You are not going to ruin this rug. I'm going to focus on what is good and what is right, and I'm going to walk in joy. And you, feelings, are going to have to go in that kennel for a timeout. Now, seriously, seriously, if I can choose to put on a smiley face, right, when I'm frustrated and when I'm angry, you can I don't know, some of you might not have ever heard of Joyce Meyer. She used to always talk about our feelings. And she would say, you can be in the middle of your living room screaming at your kids about something. And the doorbell rings. And you get it together that quick, don't you? If all of a sudden I showed up on your door and I'm knocking on the door and you've just been screaming at your husband about maybe he spent too much money. And all of a sudden you, you open the door and I'm standing there. You'd be like, oh, hi, Pastor Mary. Come on in. All of a sudden, whatever you were just mad about, you are going to get yourself under self-control real quick. So if you can choose to do that when somebody important is watching, I want you all to choose to do that for yourself. Because walking around disappointed all the time. I've been talking about what is the opposite of our fruits, right? When we, we, we looked at that, right? We said the opposite of goodness was slothfulness or laziness. We said the opposite of kindness, what did we say the opposite? Oh, was um, selfishness, I think it was. What is the opposite of joy? I'm going to tell you what I think the opposite of joy is. It's disappointment. 
Don't you walk around just disappointed all the time? I mean, disappointment can cause a lot of things depending on what the situation merits, right? Sometimes I'm so disappointed I'm angry. Sometimes I'm so disappointed I'm sad. Sometimes I'm just so disappointed. See, joy says it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. I'm not going to walk around disappointed. I'm going to walk around with joy, with happiness. Because my happiness does not come from my outward experience. My happiness comes from a place deep down inside. I love how Paul, he's writing and he says, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, whether I'm in jail or whether I'm free, right? I'm in, at peace. I am at joy. And I remember being a single mom, disappointed and wondering what in the world I was going to do, and I had joy in me. Why? Because my joy was not from what I was going to be able to figure out. My joy about my future was about what God was going to do for me. But see, we have to shift our mind and get our mind off of ourselves and think, I am the only one that can control my future. Because if you think you're the only one that is going to change your future, then you are going to be disappointed because we know our own faults. But if you can say, I'm not going to be disappointed about what I can't accomplish, I'm going to put my trust and hope in what God can accomplish for me, then all of a sudden I can be happy. Because today I might not have what I need, but tomorrow God's going to take care of it. And I'm going to put my trust in him and in him alone. Let's look here. We have to make the action choice, right? Just as we had to do with being kind or with being good, we have to choose joy. In James chapter 1, verse 2. Here's Paul again. Well, actually, this is James, excuse me. I was thinking it was Paul writing it to James, but it's James writing it out. So James, this James was actually the brother of Jesus, and he is now leading the church in Jerusalem, and they had all of this persecution come upon them, and all of the different Jewish people just scattered, and they ran for their lives, all the Christians. So he's writing a letter to all the tribe. If you were look at verse 1, it says, To all the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So they literally were drug out in the streets and killed. And the ones that are getting this letter are the ones that survived because they ran for their lives. And he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James. They just took my mother and, like, burned her at the stake. Yes, sister. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. James, they just took my business, and they gave it to a Roman soldier and his wife. Yes, brother. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. James... I haven't seen my husband and my four kids. We all ran in different directions. I don't know where they are. Yes, sister, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. But Pastor Mary, don't you understand? I'm having problems with my car. Yes, brother, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. But, but Elder Jesse, my daughter is super sassy, and she makes me really angry. 
Yes, sister, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. But, but Pastor Mary, my husband is an idiot sometimes. I've never heard that one, folks. Yes, sister, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I can go there about the women, too, and I can go there about... Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, our, our trials don't compare to when this was written, obviously. But the question is, is why would I consider it joy when the outside things are falling apart... Because I get to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, and I get to watch what he's going to do. I get to daydream about how God is going to fix this. You know, when I I love daydreaming. I I think that's one of the most blessing gifts God has ever given us. Some people like to use it for nightmares. I like to use it for dreaming. That's why we are a dream center. So I'll pray to God. Listen, you guys, I do this. I'll pray to God, and I'll be like, Father God, give us $10 million to change the south end of Bay City. And then I'll get out a notebook and I'll write down a hundred different ways I'm going to spend that money and what I'm going to do for the people of Bay City. I tell you what, that's some of the best afternoons I spend, and I count that as joy. Do I have $10 million on the outside? No. But I just put that in God's hands to take care of the money. Now i got to start planning. What am I going to do when it comes? And what's interesting is in the last three years of being here is I've been dreaming about how we're going to change Bay City. What's really cool is some of the things that I put on that list when I first did that, God will be like, hey, Mary, I'm going to send this money to you. It's not $10 million, but it's 1000 Take that, and what was something on the list you can do with $1,000? And I'll be like, oh, we can get car seats, or hey, we can get diapers, or hey, we can go do this, or hey, we can go do that. See, I get to count it pure joy, even on the outside, I don't have what I need, but I get joyful because I've asked him for it, and now he's got to provide it, and now I get to dream about how is he going to do it. So you're going through a trial. Count it pure joy. Because right now, before we leave, we're going to pray for all of the outside things we got going on. And then I want you to go home tonight and daydream about how Three different ways God is going to fix it for you. Guess what? He might not pick one of those three, but, but dream. There's nothing wrong with dreams. Over a third of the Bible is dreams and visions that God gave people. Ask him to give you a dream and a vision to show you how. Let's pray. Father God, you know what is going on in the outward issues of our lives. You know what's happening with our physical bodies. You know what's happening in our relationships. You know what's happening with our finances. You know what's happening in our homes. You know what's happening. And Father God, we're going to count it joy. We're going to count it a moment to be thankful and joyful because we're going to ask you to fix it. Most of us have already done our best. Most of us don't even know where to start. So you're going to have to show us. You're going to have to give us wisdom. You're going to have to intercede on our behalf. And we're trusting you because we are not good. We are not great. We don't know how to fix it. But you, Father God, you know. So we're asking you in the name of Jesus to help us. And we're going to put our joy in your strength because you are big enough to take care of our outward circumstances. 
Help us this week as we're patiently waiting for you to take care of our issues. Help us to count it joy when we go through these trials because now we get to wonder how you're going to help us and how you're going to take care of it. Father God, I know you're amazing because you've taken care of so many things in my lives in, in, in creative, amazing ways. There's been times where I thought, this is awful, and then all of a sudden at the end of it, I was stronger, or I was healthier, or this relationship was better, and you knew all along how you were going to use what man meant for evil for your good and for my good because you are great and you are mighty. And I know you don't think I'm special. You love every single person here. And you want to have good things for them, too. So as their pastor and as a leader here today ministering to their hearts, I ask you in the name of Jesus to intercede in their lives this week, in their hearts, in this moment, so that they will overflow with your peace and your joy by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by the power of their own mind, because their own mind sometimes can't even fathom what is good and what is holy. But you, Father God, can fill them right now. Holy Spirit, fill them right now. May the blood of Jesus be over them. The power that raised Christ from the dead flows through us right now. In the name of Jesus, as our mind begins to go and think and dwell on the problems and Satan tries to steal what you've promised from us and steal that joy and steal our happiness, we just ask you, Father God, to intercede and tell Satan, not today. Those unruly feelings that want to come and ruin our dinner, we're going to pick them up and put them in a cage that simply and say, not today. I will choose on what, to focus my thoughts on what is good and what is noble, and I will be reminded that God is great. And I've asked him for his help, and he will help me because he loves me. He will help me because he is good, not because I am good, because none of us deserve it. But you help us because you are good. We ask you to help us today, Father God. In the name of Jesus, all of those who want your help are saying amen. 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 Well, God is good, and I know the fruit of the spirit of joy is going to be flowing out of you this week. You're going to be at the supermarket, you know, when there's a really long line. And I do this sometimes. I hum. You know, you're really happy. You got happiness deep down inside you. I start humming, you know, and the people around us are like looking at me like, we've been standing here for 20 minutes and you're humming because I've got joy in me that has nothing to do with how long I have to wait in this line. And I'm going to, if you guys end up finding yourself humming this week or whistling, I want you to let me know because joy is going to be bubbling up out of all you because he is good and he is great. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to have the blessing shop open. If you need anything, let us know. And we will see you all next Sunday at 6 o'clock. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless everybody. Thank you.